1: many new listeners find us as possible we've made great strides to do this in the last couple months and are now at over 70 written reviews from the US version alone so we're getting close to our goal if you haven't subscribed and written a review yet please do thank you to everyone who's taking the time to do so already please know that we read every single review and it makes us so happy to know we are helping you get to sleep. This episode is supported by your own handiwork. Tonight, by listener request, we'll be reading the second part to the 1813 Romantic Novel of Manners, Pride and Prejudice, written by Jane Austen. The novel follows Elizabeth Bennet, the dynamic protagonist, who learns about the repercussions of hasty judgments and eventually comes to appreciate the difference between superficial goodness and actual goodness. In the first episode, news that a wealthy young gentleman named Charles Bingley has moved in nearby causes a stir among the Bennett family. The Bennetts have five unmarried daughters, so are eager to matchmake with the stranger. The daughters attend a ball, also attended by Bingley, along with a friend of Bingley named Darcy. The impression others get of Bingley at the ball is charm, and of Darcy, rude and snobbish. We will pick up with the daughters coming home to tell their father about the evening. Close your eyes, relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now take a few deep breaths. The evening altogether passed off pleasantly to the whole family, Mrs. Bennett, had seen her eldest daughter much admired by the Netherfield party. Mr. Bingley had danced with her twice and she had been distinguished by his sisters. Jane was as much gratified by this as her mother could be, though in a quieter way. Elizabeth felt Jane's pleasure. Mary had heard herself mentioned to Miss Bingley as the most accomplished girl in the neighborhood. And Catherine and Lydia had been fortunate enough never to be without partners, which was all that they had yet learnt to care for at a ball. They returned, therefore, in good spirits to Longbourn, the village where they lived and of which they were the principal inhabitants. They found Mr. Bennet still up, with a book he was regardless of time, and on the present occasion, he had a good deal of curiosity as to the event of an evening which had raised such splendid expectations. He had rather hoped that his wife's views on the stranger would be disappointed, but he soon found out that he had a different story to hear. Oh, my dear Mr. Bennet, as she entered the room, we have had a most delightful evening, a most excellent ball. I wish you had been there. Jane was so admired, nothing could be like it. Everybody said how well she looked, and Mr. Bingley thought her quite beautiful and danced with her twice. Only think of that, my dear. He actually danced with her twice. And she was the only creature in the room that he asked a second time. First of all, he asked Miss Lucas. I was so vexed to see him stand up with her. But, however, he did not admire her at all. Indeed, nobody can, you know. And he seemed quite struck with Jane as she was going down the dance so he inquired who she was and got introduced and asked her for the next two then the two-third he danced with Miss King and the two-fourth with Maria Lucas and the two-fifth with Jane again and the two-sixth with Lizzie and the Bullinger if he had had any compassion for me cried her husband impatiently. He would have not danced half so much. For God's sake, say no more of his partners. Oh, that he had sprained his ankle in the first dance. Oh, my dear. I am quite delighted with him. He is so excessively handsome and his sisters are charming women. I never in my life saw anything more elegant than their dresses. I dare say the lace upon Mrs. Hurst's gown. Here she was interrupted again. Mr. Bennet protested against any description of finery. She was therefore obliged to seek another branch of the subject and related with much bitterness of spirit and some exaggeration the shocking rudeness of Mr. Darcy. But I can assure you, she added, that Lizzie does not lose much by not suiting his fancy, for he is most disagreeable and horrid man, not at all worth pleasing, so high and so conceited that there was no enduring him. He walked here and he walked there, fancying himself so very great "'not handsome enough to dance with. "'I wish you had been there, my dear, "'to have given him one of your set-downs. "'I quite detest the man.'" Chapter 4 When Jane and Elizabeth were alone, the former, who had been cautious in her praise of Mr. Bingley before, expressed to her sister just how very much she admired him. He is just what a young man ought to be, said she, sensible, good-humored, lively. And I never saw such happy manners, so much ease with such perfect good breeding. He is also handsome, replied Elizabeth, which a young man ought likewise to be, if he possibly can. His character is thereby complete. I was very much flattered by his asking me to dance a second time. I did not expect such a compliment. Did not you? I did for you. But that is one great difference between us. Compliments always take you by surprise, and me, never. What could be more natural than his asking you again? He could not help seeing that you were about five times as pretty as every other woman in the room. No thanks to his gallantry for that. Well, he certainly is very agreeable, and I give you leave to like him. You have liked many a stupider person. Dear Lizzie, oh, You are a great deal too apt, you know, to like people in general. You never see a fault in anybody. All the world are good and agreeable in your eyes. I never heard you speak ill of a human being in your life. I would not wish to be hasty in censoring anyone, but I always speak what I think, I know you do, and it is that which makes the wonder. With your good sense, to be so honestly blind to the follies and nonsense of others, affectation of candor is common enough, one meets with it everywhere. But to be candid without ostentation or design, to take the good of everybody's character and make it still better and say nothing of the bad, belongs to you alone. And so you like this man's sisters too, do you? Their manners are not equal to his. Certainly not, at first, but they are very pleasing women when you converse with them. Miss Bingley is to live with her brother and keep his house, and I am much mistaken if we shall not find a very charming neighbor in her. Elizabeth listened in silence, but was not convinced. Their behavior at the assembly had not been calculated to please in general, and with more quickness of observation, and less pliancy of temper than her sister, and with a judgment too unassailed by any attention to herself, she was very little disposed to approve them. They were in fact very fine ladies, not deficient in good humor when they were pleased, nor in the power of making themselves agreeable when they chose it, but proud and conceited. They were rather handsome, had been educated in one of the first private seminaries in town, had a fortune of 20,000 pounds, were in the habit of spending more than they ought and of associating with people of rank, and were therefore, in every respect, entitled to think well of themselves and meanly of others they were of a respectable family in the north of england a circumstance more deeply impressed on their memories than that their brother's fortune and their own had been acquired by trade mr bingley inherited property to the amount of nearly a hundred thousand pounds from his father, who had intended to purchase an estate but did not live to do it. Mr. Bingley intended it likewise and sometimes made choice of his county. But as he was now provided with a good house and the liberty of a manor, It was doubtful to many of those who best knew the easiness of his temper, whether he might not spend the remainder of his days at Netherfield and leave the next generation to purchase. His sisters were anxious for his having an estate of his own, but though he was now only established as a tenant Miss Bingley was by no means unwilling to preside at his table, nor was Mrs. Hurst, who had married a man of more fashion than fortune, less disposed to consider his house as her home when it suited her. Mr. Bingley had not been of age two years when he was tempted by an accidental recommendation to look at Netherfield house. He did look at it and into it for half an hour, was pleased with the situation and the principal rooms, satisfied with what the owner said in its praise and took it immediately. Between him and Darcy, there was a very steady friendship in spite of the great opposition of character. Bingley was endeared to Darcy by the easiness, openness, and ductility of his temper, though no disposition could offer a greater contrast to his own, and though with his own he never appeared dissatisfied. On the strength of Darcy's record, Bingley had the firmest reliance, and of his judgment the highest opinion. In understanding, Darcy was a superior. Bingley was by no means deficient, but Darcy was clever. He was at the same time haughty, reserved, and fastidious. And his manners, though well-bred, were not inviting. In that respect, his friend had greatly the advantage. Bingley was sure of being liked wherever he appeared. Darcy was continually giving offense. The manner in which they spoke of the Meryton Assembly was sufficiently characteristic. Bingley had never met with more pleasant people or prettier girls in his life Everybody had been most kind and attentive to him. There had been no formality, no stiffness. He had soon felt acquainted with all the room. And as to Miss Bennett, he could not conceive an angel more beautiful. Darcy, on the contrary, had seen a collection of people in whom there was little beauty and no fashion, for none of whom he had felt the smallest interest, and from none received either attention or pleasure. Miss Bennett, he acknowledged to be pretty, but she smiled too much. Mrs. Hurst and her sister allowed it to be so, but still they admired her and liked her and pronounced her to be a sweet girl, and one whom they would not object to know more of. Miss Bennet was therefore established as a sweet girl, and their brother felt authorized by such commendation to think of her as he chose. Within a short walk of Longbourn lived a family with whom the Bennets were particularly intimate. Sir William Lucas had been formerly in trade in Meryton where he had made a tolerable fortune and risen to the honor of knighthood by an address to the king during his mayoralty. The distinction had perhaps been felt too strongly. It had given him a disgust to his business and to his residence in a small market town. And in quitting them both, he had removed with his family to a house about a mile from Meryton, denominated from that period, Lucas Lodge, where he could think with pleasure of his own importance and unshackled by business, occupy himself solely in being civil to all the world. For though elated by his rank, it did not render him supercilious. On the contrary, he was all attention to everybody by nature, inoffensive, friendly, and obliging, his presentation at St. James had made him courteous. Lady Lucas was a very good kind of woman, not too clever to be a valuable neighbor to Mrs. Bennet. They had several children, the eldest of them, a sensible, intelligent young woman, about 27, was Elizabeth's intimate friend. That the Miss Lucas's and the Miss Bennet's should meet to talk over a ball was absolutely necessary and the morning after the assembly brought the former to Longbourn to hear and to communicate. You began the evening well Charlotte said Mrs. Bennet a civil self-command to Miss Lucas. You were Mr. Bingley's first choice. Yes, but he seemed to like his second better. Oh, you mean Jane, I suppose because he danced with her twice, to be sure that did seem as if he admired her. Indeed, I rather believe he did. I heard something about it, I hardly know what, something about Mr. Robinson. Perhaps you mean what I overheard between him and Mr. Robinson. Did not I mention it to you? Mr. Robinson's asking him how he liked our Merriton assemblies, and whether he did not think there was a great many pretty women in the room, and which he thought the prettiest, and his answering immediately to the last question Oh, the eldest Miss Bennet, beyond a doubt. There cannot be two opinions on that point. Upon my word. Well, that is very decided indeed. That does seem as if, but however, it may all come to nothing, you know. My overhearings were more to the purpose than yours, Eliza, said Charlotte. Mr. Darcy is not so well worth listening to as his friend, is he? Poor Eliza, to be only just tolerable. I beg you would not put into a Lizzie's head to be vexed by his ill treatment, for he is such a disagreeable man that it would be quite a misfortune to be liked by him. Mrs. Long told me last night that he sat close to her for half an hour without once opening his lips. "'Are you quite sure, ma'am? Is not there a little mistake?' said Jane. "'I certainly saw Mr. Darcy speaking to her.' "'Aye, because she asked him at last how he liked Netherfield.' and he could not help answering her, but she seemed quite angry at being spoken to. Miss Bingley told me, said Jane, that he never speaks much unless among his intimate acquaintances. With them, he is remarkably agreeable. I do not believe a word of it, my dear. If he had been so very agreeable, he would have talked to Mrs. Long. But I can guess how it was. Everybody says that he is eat up with pride, and I dare say he had heard somehow that Mrs. Long does not keep a carriage and had come to the ball in a hack chase. I do not mind his talking to Mrs. Long, said Miss Lucas, but I wish he had danced with Eliza. Another time, Lizzie, said her mother. I would not dance with him if I were you. I believe, ma'am, I may safely promise you never to dance with him. His pride said Miss Lucas, does not offend me so much as pride often does, because there is an excuse for it. One cannot wonder that so very fine a young man with family, fortune, everything in his favor should think highly of himself. If I may so express it, he has a right to be proud. That is very true, replied Elizabeth, and I could easily forgive his pride if he had not mortified mine. Pride, observed Mary, who piqued herself upon the solidity of her reflections, is a very common failing, I believe. By all that I have ever read, I am convinced that it is very common, indeed, that human nature is particularly prone to it, and that there are very few of us who do not cherish a feeling of self-complacency on the score of some quality or other, real or imaginary vanity and pride are different things though the words are often used synonymously. A person may be proud without being vain. Pride relates more to our opinion of ourselves, vanity to what we would have others think of us. If I were as rich as Mr. Darcy, cried a young Lucas who came with his sisters. I should not care how proud I was. I would keep a pack of foxhounds and drink a bottle of wine a day. Then you would drink a great deal more than you ought, said Mrs. Bennet, and if I were to see you at it, I should take away your bottle directly. The boy protested that she should not she continued to c- declare that she would and the argument ended only with the visit chapter six the ladies of longbourn soon waited on those of netherfield the visit was soon returned in due form miss bennett's pleasing manners grew on the goodwill of Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley. And though the mother was found to be intolerable and the younger sisters not worth speaking to, a wish of being better acquainted with them was expressed towards the two eldest. By Jane, this attention was received with the greatest pleasure But Elizabeth still saw superciliousness in their treatment of everybody, hardly accepting even her sister, and could not like them, though their kindness to Jane, such as it was, had a value as arising in all probability from the influence of their brother's admiration. It was generally evident whenever they met that he did not admire her and to her it was equally evident that Jane was yielding to the preference which she had begun to entertain for him from the first and was in a way to be very much in love. But she considered with pleasure that it was not likely to be discovered by the world in general since Jane united with great strength of feeling, a composure of temper and a uniform cheerfulness of manner which would guard her from the suspicions of the impertinent. She mentioned this to her friend, Miss Lucas. It may perhaps be pleasant, replied Charlotte, to be able to impose on the public in such a case, but it is sometimes a disadvantage to be so very guarded. If a woman conceals her affection with the same skill from the object of it, she may lose the opportunity of fixing him, and it will then be but poor consolation to believe the world equally in the dark. There is so much of gratitude. Or vanity in almost every attachment, that it is not safe to leave any to itself. We can all begin freely, a slight preference is natural enough, but there are very few of us who have heart enough to be really in love without encouragement. In nine cases out of ten, a woman had better show more affection than she feels. Bingley likes your sister.